Ladies and gents, and welcome to the Controlled Interests Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. As always, I'm joined by Dom. How's it going, Dom? I just want to point out one thing. It is October the 26th, and right now in my town in Michigan, there's about two inches of snow on the ground, and it's still falling. Beautiful. Oh, damn. Sounds so beautiful. So, and we're so also that's joined, happening. We're also joined by Jordan. How's it going, Jordan? What up, what up? Episode 34. So... You having snow, I'm actually really jealous. I love the snow. I love it so much. I eventually want to live, like, in Canada or, like, the Northwest or something, the Pacific Northwest. Um, I'm super, super jelly that you have snow. But um, Two inches is not bad for October, that's for sure. Yeah. Is it, is it kind of like the soft snow, too? Like, where it's, like, yeah. just coming down so... Oh, yeah. it's great. Um, well, I would say Happy Halloween, but it's more like Merry Christmas. <laughs> All those people playing Christmas songs now in early October or late October. You're like, Jesus, it's not even Thanksgiving yet. Um, but uh, yeah, so anyways, we're going to get into what we've been playing. Uh, interesting week for me. Um, I played Overwatch as usual. I'm still trying to get the skins that I want for the Halloween event. They do a very good job of like kind of roping you into continually playing and trying to unlock the skins you want. There's enough like content though that you get out of it that even if you don't get a skin, you're kind of happy with what you get out of the loot boxes and stuff. And I've been playing a little bit of ranked on there as well, which is frustrating, but I mean, it's kind of a give and take relationship with, you know, multiplayer games, especially team-based ones like that. You're going to have your great matches where you feel like teamwork is just on par to excellence. And you're going to have other ones where you wish you were playing with anybody else but the people that were on your team. Um, also, I played a little bit of Battlefield 1, still chipping away at that 10 hours of uh, EA access that I have. Um, you only get to play the first vignette in uh, in, in the um, in the early access. I finished it. It's the one where you're in the tank and you also have to fly the pigeons, which is really cool. Uh, I'll talk about that probably when I get around to actually finishing the whole campaign because I want to talk about it as a whole. Been playing multiplayer. It's Battlefield multiplayer. Just great. Fun. Um, sniping people left and right. Just having a blast. Um, I love... The thing that I love about Battlefield over Call of Duty is that um, on distance shots, you actually have to worry about bullet drop and wind and stuff, and you have to take account for that stuff. So somebody who like me who really likes sniping in video games, it kind of um, builds your skill set, and kind of you have to work on that you know, gradually and get back to where you used to be. So I thought that was cool. The uh, last thing I played this week actually was a recent edition. Uh, Saturday Morning RPG was uh, released the day of recording on Xbox One. And I contacted them late last night saying, hey, I would love to do a review for this game. It looks really cool. Um, and they contacted me back real quickly and said, here's the code. Check it out. So I got into that uh, this morning, played for about an hour and a half. Are you guys familiar with Saturday Morning RPG? I know I it's on Vita. Oh, It is. It's on Vita. It's If that thing goes on sale, or even if it doesn't, it's a. I think it's a must-play on a handheld. Like Just thinking about if I owned a Switch nice. and I were to play it, it's a great game. So... It's, you have uh, 8-bit sprite characters, but they're in a 3D world, and you actually move around in a 3D space, and it's everything 80s, back to the future, retro video game. Um, and in a nutshell, I'll try to explain it as quickly as I can, there's this kid, he's having a dream, and in his dream is the game, and in the, in the dream world, in the game, your, your name is Marty, kind of a hint at, obviously, back to the future, and yeah. you... There's a bad guy, I don't remember his name, something Hood, General Hood. He steals your girlfriend. In real life, obviously, you don't have a girlfriend. This is your dream, and they kind of poke and uh, <laughs> poke fun at that, kind of. He's like, remember, you're in a dream, you do have a girlfriend. Because a couple of times he forgets that who he's actually trying to save, because in real life, he doesn't have a girlfriend. And, like, the um, 
the god character or like the guy that helps you out like your companion his name is the wizard and he looks hey listen he looks like marty mcfly he pops in he has this like really cool like nintendo power thing he even says like power to the player or something in it so it's very nostalgic very um it knows what it is right and the the he gives you your powers and it's a turn-based combat game it's really fun uh, you carry around this like trifold notebook that has stickers on it, and the stickers are actually power ups that you have to scratch before each each uh, battle. And depending on how quick you scratch them, determines how many stickers you can use in that match. So it's all about quicker reflexes. And then when the actual turn based game comes on, you have these different items that you uh, collect, like the zebra striped gum, or like a lot of like nostalgic old like toys and stuff. A transformer toy that's not transformers for copyright reasons, and they all have their different abilities and allow you to do different moves. It's just a really fun game. Like it's just a blast. Like if you love Back to the Future '80s retro video games that are kind of like uh, mm. self self uh, replicating, or am I saying that right? I don't know. Either way. Uh, <laughs> I don't know either. Uh, yeah, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Either way, it's a fun time. I'm an hour and a half in. I'm having a blast. Um, it's just a good game, man. It's it's so fun. You said it was on Vita. Like, I would say anybody who has a Vita, I would definitely check it out. Because it, it, is, it is cool on the console, but it is probably a blast on handheld. So that was my week in gaming. I didn't. I mean, I watch Westworld and stuff, but we talk about that every week, so I kind of left that off the list of like I didn't watch anything new or like in a huge batch or anything. So, what about you? Big guys? Westworld episode. Did you enjoy it, Jared? Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. The theories are really crazy, um, and I don't want to get into spoiler territory for people who haven't seen it, but I love a lot of the theories that are coming out, and uh, we should talk about it after the show because they're really interesting, and I'm excited to see where the show goes. So, oh yeah. All right, Jordan, one word. What did you think of the Walking Dead premiere? One word. Um, no spoilers, so don't worry, anybody. I would say uncomfortable, probably. I think we talked about that before the show, yeah. That's would a good you agree? one. Is that a good descriptor? Yeah. I think, yeah, yeah, it just, some of those moments were drawn out so long that uh, I think that's why people are talking about it being almost like cringeworthy. Um, and like over the top violent, I was, I was ready for that just because it is supposed to be like survival horror, but, uh, it was, I think it was a good premiere. I'm not, uh, definitely not going to bash it. I didn't dislike it. I would say. So I, I prefer the way they handled it, like doing their, and they can do that because their makeup team is like unbelievably talented. Yeah. So, you know, it's easier, you know, it's easier for them to do that sort of thing. Shout out to the walking dead makeup team. Yeah, Greg Nicotero and whoever else is uh, is with them guys. But uh, <laughs> I prefer that than uh, tricky camera work to kind of take your eyes off of what something when it actually happens. To you yeah. know what I mean? So that uh-huh. some of that they could have used, uh, which I expected actually. I didn't think I'd actually see what I saw, which <laughs> yeah, for I knew it'd be bad. It crazy. Yeah, um, I got a kick out of. I can't even remember. Some parents' TV council. I don't remember what they were called. Oh, God. Yeah. was just heavily criticizing the episode. Like, this is too <laughs> dark and too... Like, what? 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 Do you read the title of the show? Like, <laughs> anyway. The Jolly Alive People. Overall, yeah. I agree. Uh, uncomfortable is a good word, but I did like the episode. Um, and I'm excited for where this season's going, so... Okay. What are you playing? What am I playing? Uh, yeah, I guess that's another question too. Uh, 
Uh, Gears of War. Lots of Gears of War 4. Finish the campaign. Forget, like, it's awesome. Like, when it goes on sale or when you guys get a chance, like, it buy it. One, because I played a round of Horde mode and I only got to, like, level 20 with random people online and it was kind of irritating. So I think it'd be awesome if the three of us got together and played some Horde. Ooh, yeah. Um, but the campaign is just stellar. Um, definitely my favorite in that series. The characters, the writing, I think I said it before. Like, it's really well done. The gameplay is exactly what you remember from Gears of War, and it really scratched that itch for me. Um, um, does it? A lot of people are saying that this actually sets up the second trilogy better than Halo 4 did. Do you, do you agree? Do you think ooh. that this sets up the second trilogy for Gears pretty well? Uh, I did play Halo 4, but it was so long ago. I, I honest, and I never played 5, so I don't even... Honestly, remember what four did? I couldn't tell you. I guess but for I Gears, will... then, do you think it set up a good second trilogy for Gears? Absolutely. So, basically, Gears four, it's you know it unfolded like a whole can of worms, and they only squashed one of those worms halfway by the end of this game. So yeah, they they open it up really well to continue on with what they got going on. I won't say too much. Halo awesome. 4 is my favorite Halo game. I really liked Halo 4. It was awesome from what wow. I do remember. That's a discussion Halo for another day. I thought Halo 4 yeah. was a solid game too, but to say it was your favorite, that's really interesting. I haven't played 5 though, so. Yeah, me either. It, that won't be your favorite Halo, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> what um, I have played is a little bit of Red Dead Redemption. And by a little bit, I do mean a little bit. I barely played any video games this week. Um, but I did play Red Dead. Um, watched Walking Dead, watched uh, Westworld, really enjoyed both of those episodes. Um, also, read a bunch of Walking Dead comics. Um, I decided since up until now I've been watching the show and um, I've been behind on the comics and not like knowing what's coming up on the show, I decided to flip it now that Negan's in and I'm going to go ahead with the comics and then I'll kind of know what's going on like i read some of the ezekiel stuff today so uh he's a dude with the lion right or tiger tiger tiger. yes the dreadlock dreadlock king of uh kingdom and uh that stuff's pretty interesting um i don't want to spoil anything because it'll definitely mess with the show um so i really won't say too much of where they're at but it's been really good and i'm just about to start uh Issue 115 is All Out War, and that's like, I'm pretty sure 12 issues, so it's a really long arc. Um, The, I guess, second big Negan arc since he got there. Um, So yeah, really enjoying the Walking Dead comic. I think it's way, way better than the show. Um, Because the show just goes through so many, like, dips in quality. Um, It'll be really good for a while, and then just like, really rough, and then really good, and so, and the comic is just always solid. So the show will rotate through like directors and screenwriters yeah. and whatever else. Showrunners. Um, I can't remember the guy's name who did the first two seasons, then he left, and now he's trying to sue them or whatever else. Yeah. Um, a lot of people like the first two seasons and then not much after that. But my question, I guess, is so do comics stay pretty consistent with the writing and uh, the artists? Like, does that like stay consistent throughout the span? Um, Often, the like creator owned co- the creator owned comics like the stuff at Image, um, a lot of stuff at Dark Horse. Um, they usually stick together because it's like you know they created the comic and the characters themselves. So like um, Invincible and Walking Dead, 
is basically, with a couple exceptions, uh, Robert Kirkman with an artist, and he's done uh, just about 150 issues for both. So, so you're getting um, at least consistency. Yeah, and then if you're reading DC or Marvel, you can expect a lot of changes. Um, More so with artists, because you could be changing artists like every issue, which can actually be a problem. People are kind of getting pissed about that, but um, that's a whole other deal. Um, But yeah, uh, Walking Dead comic is really good, um, and I just now feel like, yeah, this is definitely better than the show. I just kind of came to that realization, so... Um, then I'm also, uh, still trudging through Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Um, it's the longest of all the Harry Potter books. It's over nine, well, close to 900 pages. And it's a lot of filler. It's the most filler in all the Harry Potter universe. Um, but it's a good book. It's just like, it, when people make anime filler jokes, this is, this would fit perfectly. It's just a bunch of filler stuff. Like, Harry went... Harry went to class on Tuesday. Yippee! Speaking of filler in Harry Potter, do you see Fantastic Beasts is going to be five movies? That is utterly yeah. insane to me. Yeah, it's um, I don't know. It could go either way. At least I think J.K. Rowling's like way more involved this time around, which yeah. could be the saving grace, or it could like not go so well. So I'm I'm hopeful at least. I'm excited for this first movie uh, coming up in a couple weeks. This so I've I've read a lot of things not to go on this too quickly but so uh, a lot of people feel as if the reason the DC movies didn't get started till later as far as like the the universe and stuff obviously they were going to be behind Marvel no matter what but the reason they started so late a lot of people feel is because Warner Brothers never felt the need to make movies for DC considering Harry Potter was bringing in so much money yeah. um, and Eight that, movies dude yeah and then now people feel as if the reason. It, it, it might not be the main factor, but one of the factors in kind of greenlighting five Fantastic Beast movies is because it is a definite cash-in with J.K. Rowling, and they are worried as to wor- the future of the DC films, considering sure. the early ones have not been received very well. So there's an interesting thing going on over there at Warner Brothers, and we'll see what happens. But uh, I think we covered everything we're going to be playing, so we're going to be hopping yeah. into the news here. Quite a bit of news, actually, quite a bit of news. So the first bit of news here, um, for all of you uh, Last Guardian fans out there, uh, shout and excitement. The Last Guardian has finally gone gold. Uh, Shuhei Yoshida tweeted uh, about five days ago, I've waited a very long time to say this. The Last Guardian has gone gold. I'm so excited for you all to finally experience it. Uh, he actually wasn't the first person to tweet this. Uh, somebody else actually tweeted. I forgot who it was, and it doesn't say it in the article, so forgive me for that. Somebody else tweeted it. They took it down, and then Shuhei tweeted it out. So I don't think Aww. it's... Some people are speculating that Shuhei wanted to make the announcement himself. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think that he was the one set to make the announcement. Somebody's like, I want to be the guy to make the news, you know? I want to be the guy to say it, so I don't know <laughs> Shuhei what gets there. on the phone. He's like, delete your Twitter. Just yeah, delete like, it. Delete it, yeah. Um, so that's cool. It's finally gone gold, which means that it's certified and it's ready to be shipped out. So uh, we're going to see. I'm still kind of uh, cautiously optimistic. I hope people who have been waiting for this game forever enjoy it, but... I don't know if it's going to be a very good game, but we'll see. So there's that. The second bit of news. Use some early reviews on that one. That's for sure. (laughs) Um, That's called foreshadowing. Uh, So the second bit of news (laughs) here uh, comes by way of Deadline.com. Speaking of cautiously optimistic, Sean Levy or Levy or Levy, however you want to pronounce it. Everyone has, like tons of people have that last name of L-E-V-Y and a bunch of people pronounce it differently. Um, 
Anyways, he's set to direct Uncharted now, PlayStation's video game movie on Fast Track. Uh, for you, those of you guys who don't know, Uncharted has been in the works as a movie for a long time. There have been several directors attached to it. Uh, Sean Levy is just the newest. He was behind Stranger Things, um, and as well as, what was the other thing he worked on here? I'm trying to look for it. It's not mentioned in this article, but he's he's working on a lot of, uh, Night at the Museum. He also worked in Night at the Museum, and, uh, which people liked, um, it wasn't a great movie, people liked it, and Stranger Things, obviously, the phenom it was for Netflix, uh, so, yeah, what do you guys think about, you guys are the PlayStation guys for the most part, do you think this movie will ever be made, or do you think this is just another news of, of a director that's gonna leave? Yeah. What do you think so, of the Uncharted movie? I, I remember when I did the Uncharted 4 review, one of the things I said was, this is probably going to be, this game is probably a better movie than the Uncharted movie has a chance at being. Yeah. yeah. That's still how I feel. And I, if this ever happens, which what which what you ask, I don't even know, maybe. Well, and the weird thing too is, so there's the whole argument of like, you know, why, why are video games even trying to be movies? But I think Uncharted, out of a lot of franchises, can make the argument of, like, our games are so cinematic and the gameplay isn't really the primary function of our games. Why make a movie? There's other games that, you know, the the lore or the narrative or stuff isn't the strongest and you can kind of try to make it a better property. But with Uncharted, it seems like the games are cinematic experiences. They are movies that you just so happen to shoot things yeah. in, right? So, it's weird. Um, I don't know if this will ever be made. It's like the news this year of Aaron Greenberg and Microsoft saying that the Gears of War movie is in production too. Remember when the Halo movie was in production? Like, it takes a lot for these uh, these movies to get off the ground just because if they're trying to handle it right, there's a lot of people that are going to argue about what exactly the, the path they want to take with the movie. So we'll see if this ever comes to light. Gonna when it comes to these video game movies, I'm, I'm seriously thinking I'll believe them when I see them. And I mean like, sitting in the theater watching the previews like assassin's exactly. creed i'm still skeptical if exactly this even coming out if it even exists still i'm the same way i'm like is that still a real thing yeah i feel you so much on that um the next couple of stories we have here uh are nintendo switch related uh, so the first bit of news here comes by way of Alex Osborne over at IGN, and he writes, Nintendo Switch not backwards compatible with physical 3DS or Wii U games. This mm. isn't surprising. We saw the announcement it has a cartridge port. I don't know if people were expecting it to maybe... I was thinking there could be a possibility that the cartridge uh, port for um, the Switch games could also kind of have like a, a two type of... Uh, slot kind of thing where the 3ds cards would fit too i i never would have assumed that this would play wii u games the 3ds yeah. one is the more the more interesting one but the, he goes on to write nintendo switch won't be able to play your library of wii u discs or 3ds cartridges as nintendo has confirmed that its upcoming console doesn't feature physical backwards compatibility i think that's the most interesting thing is they say physical which yeah. is weird to me that they would point that out because nintendo doesn't really have an account system account management system if you lose your 3ds and you have digital games on there you lose access to those games so i don't know if they're actually implementing an account system that's retroactive it's going to be very interesting to see how that works because it's weird to me that it would they would specifically call out physical you know it's super weird to me so the eShop, that's a big we'll see if that's on there Exactly. I want to Big see if question. they actually have account management and uh, you owning games retroactively and see how that works because um, that's one thing that amongst a lot of other things has kind of had people kind of stay back from purchasing a Nintendo console, you know, because you have to continuously buy their games over and over and over again. So Not, I don't think we're ridiculous. See, I think it's more than just physical. I don't think there's any way that there can be any Wii U games that'll play on this that are unless they're ported and made for it. Right. 
Um, and the reason being, like, this thing can't have a touchscreen. I didn't, I didn't think about it until recently, but if this has a touchscreen, how do you use it when it's docked? Uh, they actually already talked about the the uh, Joy-Con controllers have sensors on them. They have sensors so, on them when you take it off. The reason the the reason the console in the dock faces forward is so they can interact with those sensors, and you will be able to have touch function uh, touch functionality on it. They've so basically, you'd have a Wii remote replacing touching a screen. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That sounds awful. Yeah. Yeah, but I, mean, <laughs> I will for not people, be using that for people who like want to play if those old games are compatible if they want to play them it's kind of like the sacrifice they have to make or just play them on your wii u i don't know yeah, uh, yeah. Whatever. those things are gonna be so cheap like 50 bucks in a year also you think about it a lot of the games we saw were newer versions of wii u games i'm not gonna want to i wouldn't even worry about the old version of the wii u version of a game when the the yeah. newer version has more features it probably runs better on the system it's not a port seems like they're porting or, a know, lot of stuff yeah, some of them are are better than ports though, because it seems like they are adding features, so it's not a straight one to one port, you know. Yeah, you're um, right. You're right. Yeah. So it is interesting. The second story about Nintendo Switch comes away of Gamespot. Tamar Hussein writes: Nintendo Switch will ship two million units in launch month, says President. Uh, Kimishima also confirms Nintendo Switch won't be sold at a loss. Nintendo's next gaming platform, Switch, will ship 2 million units during the financial year ending March 2017. According to company president Tatsumi Kimishimi, Kimishima, Jesus, uh, shipping units doesn't translate to sales, so the number is more indicative of how many consoles Nintendo is aiming to have with retailers during its first month of sale. Uh, speaking during a financial briefing, as reported by the Wall Street Journal, uh, Kimishima also said Switch won't be sold at a loss. This is noteworthy as traditional hardware is sold at a loss and software is used to recoup these costs. Not necessarily considering PS4 was recently sold at a profit. Uh, Sony came out and stated and we kind of saw that. So I don't think Nintendo's the first one trying to do this. Um, and also in the story, I don't want to read the whole thing because it's kind of a long story. So definitely go check it out. It'll be in the description if you want to read the whole thing. The other thing they go into is that uh, they're listening to feedback from from users of what they kind of feel the price. They're trying to fill out the price. And this is kind of an interesting thing, too, with Nintendo. If they announce the console just to hear feedback, so that way they know where they can play around with. Like, if $300 is too expensive, if 250 is the sweet spot, um, that might not totally be the case, but it is interesting. Also to note... Uh, Wii U shipped with uh, 3.6 million units at launch when it came out, and they were a little overbold with that considering it didn't sell too well. Um, that's it, it launched at launch. It had one one fourth or even one third of what their total sales were lifetime. So you see how over anxious they were with that console. Jeez. This seems like they're a little bit safe, and this is I think hearkening back to Nintendo's. Uh, what do you call it? Um, where you kind of fake fake the need for something? Uh, what is it? Called? Oh, the the blue ocean. No, 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 no. Where it's uh, it's uh. Artificial demand. Artificial demand. There you go. That's the term I was looking for. Where they 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 don't make as many units just because uh, they want it to seem like it's always in demand, meaning people always want to get their hands on one. It's so hard to find. It's kind of like the Wii thing. Um, so yeah, when Wii came out and they were going for like two thousand dollars on eBay. Yeah. And obviously Nintendo wouldn't get any of that $2,000, but that people hear that story. And then the next time they do see one in the store for the regular price, they pick it up. And that and like, oh, I need to buy it. And it keeps people yeah. talking about the console too. Yeah. Um, the thing with this though is going to be interesting is that this is the first console uh, handheld hybrid. And 
it seems like looking at numbers of the way handheld sell there is a higher demand so this might even be an even crazier artificial demand you know because it is a pseudo handheld meaning that the the market for it will skew younger you know consoles aren't always bought by parents for their kids but handhelds more than often are you know so we'll see how this all works out um, interesting uh, Nintendo always decides to do weird things so that's not out of their wheelhouse by any means um, pre-order it you pre-ordered it uh, you, uh, you better oh no yeah it. yeah you better pre-order it um, I and, tried to Amazon doesn't have it yet also yeah people remember there's email lists for Best Buy and Amazon and other places so if you want to get be the first to pre-order it definitely go there also the thing with Amazon it doesn't charge you until it actually ships so just you can go in there pre-order it, and then if you can't actually afford it then you can actually take it off and it doesn't charge you right away so just hmm. a tip there um, so the next story here isn't a new story but it's something that people were talking about in the industry and I went and actually looked at the Twitter thread so I screen capped it um, so this Twitter account called PC games and which is I think a news outlet of some sort uh, Basically has a story, and they put Bethesda's uh, DC Deacon, which, which uh, Pete Hines's uh, Twitter account says Evil Within and Rage did well enough to get sequels. Also in the article, they talked about them currently working on Elder Scrolls Six. Uh, Hines replied to this and said, "Thanks, FYI, the Elder Scrolls Six isn't in development. We simply said we wouldn't make it eventually. We would make it eventually. Don't want people to be misled." Then a random Twitter user replied, "This is PR for yes, we're working on it, but pre-alpha status. LOL." Hines replied to that and said, no, it just means nobody is working on it. And that same user replied and said, sorry, but I'll have to disagree. Given how Bethesda operates in the past, I'm sure it's been pre-alpha state at the moment. And then Hines replied to that, considering he works at Bethesda. He's the vice president of PR and marketing. Uh, he said, no, it isn't in development. Um, so I want to talk about this. So, you know, Elder Scrolls 6, according to Hines, isn't in development uh, what do you guys take from this, and uh, what, what do you guys feel about it not being in development? Why do you think that's the case? I mean, we have to believe Pete Hines. I don't know why this Twitter user thinks must he's so him. much smarter. Exactly, man. So, I mean, it, it, maybe there's some ideas floating around, and we talked about it before the show. You know, there's some drawings on some whiteboards over there or something. I don't know. But I believe him for the most part, like, this isn't being worked on. It seems like they have a lot of other stuff going on right now. Yeah, also, if you look at it... Uh, uh, Oblivion came out, it was a shock to the market. People were like, oh, this RPG, we haven't seen something like this, right? Skyrim came out, same exact thing. Fallout 3, before that came out, same exact thing. Fallout 4 was their first kind of, and though their games haven't always run perfectly, Fallout 4 is definitely their first um, sign of them developing in a vacuum, right? Heavy handed. But, like, compare the sales of Fallout 4 in the first year or whatever to those other games. Yeah, I'm not saying Fallout 4 did bad, yeah. but it was obviously developed in a vacuum. And I think, you know, Todd Howard and those guys have kind of a they, – they have an eye for quality, and they I think they're willing to see when they come short with the likes of, like, Witcher and stuff. And I think that them not going right into uh, Elder Scrolls 6 like a lot of people anticipated, I think it's them reworking the engine and working on making a better experience because – as though, even though they were innovators for the longest time, I think they're starting to see that they're kind of falling behind. Though their games are critically well received, they are starting to look like they are being developed in a vacuum. You know, so I think their games. I think Bethesda Game Studios, uh, the specific studio and not the publisher. Yeah, I think that they take way too long making their games. It's like five years. And, I don't know, maybe most other studios delay into five years and they just don't delay their games. But 
Um, it seems like there's other studios getting games out faster, and especially in the AAA space. So um, I feel like they're taking too long. Yeah, but I on the sco- like the scope and scale that they make their games, there's nobody else in the industry that does them sooner. Like, look how long Rockstar takes. Even yeah. CD Projekt Red, like Cyberpunk 2077, that announcement trailer was shown four years ago. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. So. I do yeah, think you're it's right. the scope of those games is the reason. Yeah, you're right. So you're right, Jordan. That's a long time. I I understand where you're coming from, but I don't think that in like relatively speaking to other games of their same scope and scale, it is long. And I'm fine with a game taking five years if it's a game that ends up feeling like it took five years to make. Unlike yeah, Last exactly. Guardian, which whether it's good or bad, it's probably gonna be a very short game that took ten years to come to fruition. You yeah. know? So I, I, I see your argument there. Um, last couple of bits here before we get into our topics. Um, the last, Actually, the last bit of news here. Uh, Microsoft announces new VR headsets for Windows 10 starting at $299. This is over at The Verge, and it's written by Addy Robertson. Microsoft's partners will ship a new line of virtual reality headsets to take advantage of Windows 10 VR and holographic capabilities. At today's event, Microsoft said that the headsets will start at $299 and include inside-out tracking sensors, obviating the need for external cameras or laser systems like those on the current Oculus Rift, HTC Vive, HP Dell, Lenovo, and lists all of them. Um, While relatively little is known about the headsets, the sixth degree of freedom tracking system sounds familiar to Oculus's Santa Cruz prototype, which also uh, includes inside-out tracking. They are distinct from Microsoft's HoloLens, an augmented or mixed reality headset that projects virtual objects into the real world. While the headsets don't need external trackers, the one we saw on stage today still looks to be wired, not totally self-contained like Santa Cruz. Um, Last part here, Microsoft's listed partners are already working in VR to some extent. Acer is working with Starbreeze to produce the high-end Star VR headsets, and Asus showed off a leather-strapped headset behind glass at Computex, Lenovo, and Chinese startup AntVR partnered for a mobile VR setup. While HP and Dell won't ha- don't have headsets, both have produced backpack-mounted PCs. None of these companies, however, are major players in the consumer headset space, which is dominated by HTC, Sony, Samsung, and Facebook-owned Oculus. In fact, given that Microsoft has worked closely with Oculus in the past, it's interesting to see the company absent here, at the announcement of what is essentially a new line of Windows VR products. Um, I think this is heavily hinting at um, some kind of VR being with Project Scorpio. I think it's going to be... My personal opinion is I think there's going to be a tier of Scorpio where you can opt into VR, you know, kind of like the package with PlayStation where you get the PlayStation 4 Pro or PlayStation 4 and you get the PSVR with it. I think this is heavily reading into that for me. I think that they're um, kind of seeing how PSVR works and they're going to see whether or not this is worth including as a package. But, I mean, at $299, it's still not that price range. Um Dom, you said you did have concerns of whether or not this can actually work with video games. We'll wait and yeah. see. So. In my head, I can't quite understand the logistics of how it would work, but I'm sure I'm not obviously working for Microsoft and their design team, but that would be really cool if the, yeah, if this worked with Scorpio, um, similar to how PSVR works. Exactly. I think, it's, I think it's really cool. I'm interested to see how powerful it is, uh, the extent of like the cords and stuff like that. I think that's the... Outside of like the graphics being up to snuff for VR, which isn't a huge concern for me considering it's such like new technology. The other thing is the other gripe is like all of the cords you have to handle. So if they kind of limit yeah. that and limit the kind of external stuff you have to have, I think that's a definite win. Um, Jordan, what do you think? Is this is this an indication that you know VR is going to be a part of 
Project Scorpio's overall vision, or do you think this is just Microsoft being Microsoft working on tech? Oh, I feel like Scorpio has to be VR compatible because um, they're making it so beefy, and when it's coming out, I think it would just be dumb for it not to be. And hopefully it'll work with uh, some HoloLens stuff as well, which um, I think HoloLens and augmented reality at this point kind of interests me more um, than the virtual reality stuff. But I'm totally um, not surprised that, you know, Windows and Microsoft would be kind of, you know, going forward with the whole VR thing and the VR headsets. So uh, this makes sense. Not surprising, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Dom, any closing thoughts on this with VR? You're, you're the one that's most intrigued by VR. So what do you think about this and Microsoft kind of taking this leap as well? Yeah, I'm curious to see if this plays into Xbox at all or if it's just a Windows thing. We'll see. But like I mentioned earlier, they do have the advantage where normally you wouldn't want to be late to a party when releasing something because you're missing out on however many years of sales. But in this case, yeah. it's to their advantage because anyone there's not much expected in sales-wise for any VR units in the first year or two. Exactly. Anyway, and they get to learn from the mistakes of uh, the other companies. Also, think about this: the Play Anywhere initiative will be interesting too, because if they have VR titles, good point. You can play it on the Project Scorpio, or you can play it on your own PC. Yeah, hadn't even so thought of that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very interesting concept, considering it's Windows 10 compatible, and you figure one of the main uh, operating systems for Project Scorpio will be Windows 10 in some capacity, meaning that you can you move from using your headset on your console to your PC. So it's gonna be very interesting how that all works out. Um, Microsoft is doing interesting things, and I'm excited to see where this goes because this might get me into VR because uh, I am a, more of an Xbox guy than a PlayStation guy. Um, hopping into the topics, though, um, it is the month of Halloween. Um, this podcast will post a day before Halloween, and I wanted to have a Halloween-type topic to talk about, and we kind of brainstormed, and I want to talk about our favorite horror games. And it could be you know indie games, it could be older games, whatever you like. I'll start off. Um, so my favorite horror game... Um, is Dead Space. And thinking about it, I was never a huge Resident Evil guy. Um, that could obviously be on the list for some people. I think Bioshock could technically be considered a horror game in some aspects because yeah. the the environment and that kind of stuff is so rich and so dark and so mysterious and so unnerving. Um, I would say it's a close second for me. Um, but Dead Space just gets the gets the it does jump scares well where they don't seem very cheap. Um, and I just think space horror is one of my favorite types of horror um, because uh, a lot of horror is the fear of the unknown, right? And what do we know almost the, le- the, the least about in comparison to a lot of other things is space and aliens and mm. other organisms and stuff like that. So anything that has to do with space horror, I'm super into going, harkening back to even alien. Um, I would say, I would say dead space is easily my favorite horror game. Um, like I said, Bioshock would be a close two. I think as far as new, newer age horror games or experiences, um, uh, Outlast, I was going to say, uh, Outlast, uh, have you guys, you guys have played Outlast, right, or at least seen it? Uh-uh. I think... I, I know what it is. Yeah, Outlast is really interesting because it's first-person perspective, and the graphics aren't super great, but it does a really good job at building horror. Um, it does a really good job introducing you to characters that you don't know what the heck they are, but you know to run away from them. And I think that's a really mm. good aspect of horror games of um, let people figure out what they're running from, but at least introduce them to them in some capacity. You know, it doesn't have to be direct, but in some way yeah. can introduce them to the threat. 
Um, a lot of times, you know, um, horror games that you never see the enemy are some of the most horrific or scary because it's the fear of the unknown, like we talked about. Um, I don't want to go on too long, but the other game, the other horror game that was kind of recent in the last couple of years um, was Amnesia the Dark Descent. Are you too familiar with that game? Yeah. Huge hit yes, on PC. I am. Huge hit on PC. It's one of the horror games that kind of, um, it wasn't the first one to ever do this, but over the last six-ish years or so, PC horror games have introduced the mechanic of not being able to fight back and figuring out creative ways to deal with the, the problem at hand. And I think Amnesia was the first to nail that. Um, the aesthetic, the the audio in that game, it's just so well done. It captures horror in a way that um, very rarely do you even see what you're running from, if at all. And it's all about it's all about like hiding and making use of space and uh, listening to audio cues and stuff like that. But the the world building in that game is so good for a game that probably didn't have a huge budget. Um, and I I'm always interested in people making something really great from not a lot of resources. And I think the people who made Amnesia: The Dark Descent they actually even made a sequel. Did that like they made. A great horror game and I think horror is one of the genres that you don't need a big budget for because it is the fear of the unknown you can play with people not actually ever make an asset for the monster but build up the tension through audio and other cues to have a monster in the game without having the monster so yeah. I think horror is a very interesting genre and I think it's starting to come back into the fold with Resident Evil 7 and the like and at last uh, sequel and uh, I'm really excited to see where it goes. So what about you guys? What are your favorite horror experiences? Uh, you you took the words right out of my mouth. Um, for me, it's far and away Dead Space. Dead Space 1 and 2. Um, and like you mentioned, all the horror elements are just superbly done. And you know, being in space adds a little bit to that unknown. But in addition to all that, it's a good game on its own right. When you don't Without even being a horror, horror game. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Like, it's a very good the, game. The enemies are really varied and cool, and the mechanic of cutting off the limbs to kill them is different and exciting, and all the weapons are really unique and creative, too. Like, that's a pretty good game without even being a horror game. Even the HUD um, was very inventive of having the health bar on oh, the yeah. back and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. So that's easily my number one. Um, Resident Evil 4 was really good, um, especially playing on the Wii, just because the controls were you know janky and slow but that actually added a lot to the experience especially when it was the wii so just motion controls in general were like cool and new and you didn't it, you didn't mind dealing with some of the jankiness around it at that time if i tried it today on the wii i'd probably throw it through a fucking window but <laughs> um like i wanted to do a skyward sword but anyway um so resident evil 4 is good too i never got to the the evil within really wanted to um maybe sometime uh also dying light was really fun um maybe a little less of a horror definitely less of a horror game than dead space but still had some horror elements uh and obviously you're killing zombies but the more so the nighttime stuff yeah didn't that game have an emphasis on that actually becomes more of a horror experience during the night because you yeah. are so underpowered in comparison right so it's a zombie it's a it's a light zombie game during the day but it actually feels more as if it's a horror experience during the night yeah, so things get tense during the night. Yeah, you're much under power. The zombies are way stronger and they're way faster. And there's different kinds that can that'll chase you like relentlessly. Um, and you can climb and do parkour and all that cool stuff. So that makes it fun. But yeah, it's super tense in that game when you're out at night. It's cool. Hmm. What's your favorite horror game, Jordan? So um, once again, you kind of also took the words out of my mouth. 
Um, I definitely think Bioshock is a horror game. Um, it has enough horror elements, I should say. And I definitely think that's my favorite horror game. I think the scariest game I've ever played is Amnesia Dark Descent. That game is scary and, as hell. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. game is just messed up all over the place. Um, and then uh, Dead Space is way up there too as well. Uh, and Dead Space and Bioshock are just two of my favorite games of all time, period. But um, I don't yeah, even have people... another Dead Space. Oh, it's no Dead Space 4, no Skate 4 at e- E3 this year, you know. You done fucked up, EA. You don't know who I am, but you yeah, will. You don't know. You don't. <laughs> so, um, yeah, my favorite is Bioshock. I think it's really underrated horror in a way. Um, people don't talk about it usually as a horror game. They might um, discuss whether it is or not, but I just think the horror in that game. It's the only video game that's ever made me jump, and I mean, like, physically jump out of my seat. Um, there was a splicer that was teleporting in this, like, crazy room um, that, you know, was just specially made for him. And he, like, teleports right behind me, and I turn around, and he's right there in my face, and I just, like, freaked the hell out. Um, so there was that scare, and then just the creepiness of the game is just is overt and i definitely think horror is a good way to describe it so um bioshock takes the cake and definitely shouts out to amnesia and dead space um and let's see that kind of tells you there's not much in this genre there's there's definitely not enough that's i'm i'm reaching here it's not a horror game by any means, but there is a point in that game is one of the creepiest experiences ever, especially as a kid, is in Pokemon Red and Blue when you go and you find out that there's this ghost that's haunting the cemetery and you have yeah. to kind of like soothe the mother of the uh, the, the soothe the mother's soul um, yeah. and help the, the baby Cubone. And that's that was weird, man, because even when you enter <laughs> that city, the music is so different than the rest of the game. It's like very somber and creepy, and you're like, what's going on here? And then you find out that this Cubone's mom died, and then you read the Pokédex for the Cubone, not knowing anything about this Pokémon, and finding out that it wears the skull of its the dead mother. The skull of its mother, yeah. <laughs> Which is insane, yeah. So, uh, I think that's crazy. Um, I do think we're... St- I hope we come across a lot more horror games in the future. Like I said, we have the Outlast sequel... We have uh, Resident Evil, which seems like it's returning to the horror form. Um, hopefully, a new Dead Space. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, it's weird. Um, Death Stranding has some weird, like slight horror elements. With um, oh yeah. So yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how that plays out. Also, another game that is horror inspired, but it isn't a scary game, is Dead by Daylight, which is the huge PC multiplayer game where one person plays as a killer three people are trying to survive or four people um that's cool too because it uses killers and famous tropes from horror movies of the past so i think that's really cool um i think that's it for our horror talk i don't think we have anything else we're kind of all on the bandwagon of bioshock and dead space um oh yeah so our next topic here dom actually wanted to talk about the bethesda article that's blowing up and i'll read it for you guys and then we'll let him introduce the topic so um over on their blog at bethesda.net bethesda uh basically wrote bethesda and game reviews at Bethesda, we value media reviews. We read them, we catch, th- we read them, we watch them, we try to learn from them when we they offer a critique and understand their value to our players. 
Earlier this year, we released Doom. We sent review copies to arrive the day before launch, which led to speculation about the quality of the game. Since then, Doom has emerged as a critical and commercial hit and is now one of the highest rated shooters of the past few years. With the upcoming launches of Skyrim Special Edition and Dishonored 2, we will continue our policy of sending media review copies one day before release. While we continue to work with media streamers and YouTubers to support their coverage, both before and after release, we want everyone, including those in the media, to experience our games at the same time. We also understand that some of you want to read reviews before you make your decision, and if that's the case, we encourage you to wait for your favorite reviewers to share their thoughts. And that's it. So go ahead, Dom, introduce us to what exactly you want to talk about. So yeah, uh, in summation, uh, you're not going to be able to read a Skyrim Remastered review uh, until like the day it releases. And even then, probably not likely, because the reviewers wouldn't have had time yet to actually write the review, play the game, uh, and all that. Um, so it brings up the question of, first of all, like, why do this? Um, mm. And they, uh, the answer is obvious, and it's hard to avoid this answer if you're a Bethesda, but like, you do that so that no one is looking away from this game as a result of the reviews before it comes out, I guess. Exactly, um, yeah. But... So I, I I can understand why some people have a problem with that. Uh, if you're a person that just on a whim buys a lot of games or pre-orders a lot of games, um, and you know you end up disappointed by some and you you rely on reviewers heavily, then yeah, you could take issue with this. Obviously, I don't think that there's very many people that are going to take enough issue with this for Bethesda to turn turn their strategy around, but. And I'm I'm not one of those people, so I I seldom buy uh, games the day they come out anyway. Uh, so and in this case, I trust Beth- Bethesda wholeheartedly with anything they develop. So I don't need to see a review to you know justify my purchase or validate my opinion on the game when it's from a developer that's has such a solid track record. Yeah. So I don't have a problem with this. Well, Skyrim on PlayStation consoles has a bad track record, but... That's a good point. So in this case, um, there's no reason... This, ca- this game probably won't have that, I'm we, sure. You would, we were all like assuming that, because it shouldn't, but you're right. That track record on PlayStation kind of... some if You might want to wait, and that's okay. You don't have to buy it on release day, which is what uh, Bethesda says in their, their uh, blog post, that like, hey, if you rely on review scores and reviews, then like please, we encourage you to wait. Yeah. So do that. Like, you don't have to buy it the day it comes out. I know it feels like it, and I get that feeling too. What about that something sweet right when it comes pre-order out. bonus, dude? This, that's I, the other thing. I like this, though, because this is making cereal people... Box. This is making people wane off of pre-orders. I think pre-orders are not good. I don't like pre-orders. Sure. I don't like the thought of them. I understand why people do it, but the way I feel is, like, there's a lot of people complaining about this, and it seems like some of the people that are complaining about it are mad that they're not getting the most out of their pre-order. It's like, so if you're mad that the person you you're, you want to see review it isn't getting it the you know early enough for you to be able to have that review before you buy the game, it seems like you're concerned about game the games industry, right? And you're 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 one of those gamers that wants to have knowledge about the video game. I I don't see why this is an issue. Also, I think this is also kind of an argument for the way that people ingest how they want to like how and why they would buy a video game. I think a lot of people think that people only look at reviews. Me personally, I don't only look at reviews because reviews for the most part are subjective. And I like to look at gameplay myself and stuff like that. And guess what? You know who this doesn't really affect, even though uh, if they get review copies the day before or the day of, are streamers. They don't have to write a review. 
They get the game yeah. in the mail, they pop it in their console, and they play, and people watch them play. And a lot of people are going towards that to get their impressions of a game before they buy actually seeing the game being played, not hearing somebody's subjective argument for it, which there is a need for that. I do appreciate reviews. But on the opposite end of that, too, or the same end, I guess, um, people like Jeff Gersman, um have come out and said that, you know, Bethesda and the like kind of rely on them for preview coverage and point to them for preview coverage to get the hype going for their game. But now they're not going to supply them with a, an adequate uh, time to get that review out. Well, guess hmm. what? The only reason you're mad that you're not getting this copy early is that you can't have your content up early enough to be able to get the clicks to make money. Also, you know, your preview, all of your preview stuff that you're saying that Bethesda is kind of begging you to do, not really. They A, they can get that preview coverage from another site, and B, it's kind of their business model to make content to provide a story and a narrative for the game, right? And it is an issue where if you create your whole entire business model about talking about what other people do, if they change the way they do things, you can't. You don't really have an argument. You don't have a dog in the fight. You know, you're kind of at, you're kind of at their their doorstep, asking them to work for you, and that's not how it works. Like, at their uh, behest. Yeah, I I just I understand the argument from reviewers saying like, hey, this is going to put a strain on us and stuff like that. But once again, Bethesda isn't saying you still need to have your review out the day of. And the only yeah. reason this is stressful for people That's is because they want to get those clicks right away. This is a yeah. monetary gain issue, not for the in, not for in the best interest of the gamers from the, the the content creators aspect. You know, so I don't know. I I appreciate Bethesda coming out and actually being honest about this and being forthright because 2K is doing this too. But they didn't made a they didn't make a blog post talking about it and explaining it. You know, so at least Bethesda is actually front facing and letting people know exactly why. And, uh, yeah, what's your impression, Jordan? We haven't heard from you yet about this whole thing. Um, I think it's tough. It's only one publisher, you know, so it's not like this is industry-wide. And it's totally their choice, and it probably is going to hurt the uh, relationships that they have with many of these big sites, um, or even smaller ones. Um, but they're going to see if that's worth the price, I guess. Exactly. And uh, maybe they don't care enough. Maybe the YouTubers and streamers, like you said, that are getting it day one are the ones that they really want to influence everybody. So, you know, this may not be too much sweat on their back, but who knows. What do you think about this um, being kind of arguing for the day one patches kind of thing of like, we talked about this before we started recording. One of my arguments was what if publishers feel as if gamers, uh, reviewers aren't playing the same game that gamers are. So when a review comes out and it's not completely favorable that it isn't a true story of the game that gamers are going to get to play you know i think that um from day one patch to day zero patch it's not that much difference Um, what about no man's sky well it's a whole another argument i guess but well i mean it's still the same game there's glitches that are fixed and there's bugs that are fixed there's um you know definitely differences that are made um but I definitely think you can't just like, you know, totally redo a game, um, through a patch. And, um, also I feel like if your game's, you know, broken, even the day one patch is really not going to make it that much better, I think. Um, so yeah, I mean, if your game's broken and it's, um, you know, not quite the day one patch, but it is before then yeah, you know, kind of screw you. Um, or, or I guess you're screwed just because, you know, your game's not the best. And so this is what people are going to hear about. So, you know, maybe get your game together beforehand. 
you know, it's on on the publisher to work that out with the developer. But I, I have to disagree with that because gamers buy the game that comes out on release date. They're not buying the review copy that reviewers get. And there are fixes that happen, quite substantial fixes. Like some people play multiplayer aspects of video games and the multiplayer doesn't work and the servers are terrible. And a lot of times... Uh, when that day one patch comes out, it fixes a lot of that stuff, you know? Um, also, a game goes gold way before it's even released. So there are, sometimes, quite often, see, we're seeing nowadays with the huge three to four gig day one patches, they are fixing a substantial amount of the game. They are adding in features. No Man's Sky, though, it, it had glitches. It added a lot of features. Like, there's a list of everything it added on that day one patch, and there was a lot of things that weren't in that game when it went gold from when it released on that day. And... I, I think that this is a move that is bold and can work for the big publishers, and I think we could see a lot of other big publishers, like I said, 2K is doing it too, that will do it. But you're not going to – I highly doubt you'll ever see this from the small indie games, right? They need all of that coverage, you know? So I think this isn't something that I think will change the industry as a whole, but I could see these bigger publishers being like, we don't care if you talk about our game. People know about our game either way. They watch E3 every year. We run a trailer – you know, whereas the indie games are the ones that are like, here's our review code a week early. Please play it. We hope you enjoy it. If you love it, please talk about it. Please review it, you know. So I think there's going to yeah. be uh, a, a kind of a, a separation in the sand here, and we'll see where it goes. But uh, I, I I, think uh, hearing all three of us talk, though, Dom and I are kind of on the more positive to negative side. And I think you're more on the negative to positive side. I think all of us are still in a gray area. I don't think all of us are 100% sold on it or 100% yeah. against it. I think we're all in this gray area on differing levels of it, right? So, so yeah. here's where I, you're, yeah, you're, that's a good assessment. So here's where I think we're all at on a scale of just kind of, you know, skimming, skimming over the article, not even really reading it. And one end of the scale, and the other end of the scale is I'm going to get my pitchfork right now and <laughs> yeah. riot outside of Bethesda's studio. Yeah, I'm closer to the just skimming the article. <laughs> yeah, basically. exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think I think that uh, a lot of uh, you know outlets have a right to be kind of frustrated with this, but I do think they kind of be a little they need to be a little bit more on, uh, honest with their audience of saying like this isn't because we're trying to do the altruistic thing and be there for the gamers. It's like if you give us the game as late as possible to release, it's going to make our workers more stressed and we need to get these articles as, uh, out as soon as possible so we can make the most money we can. But they're not doing yeah. that. They're like, this is, That's we all, have to yeah. do what's in the best of the gamer. It's like, come on, come on now. We know why. We know why right. you need it earlier. So we'll see. I think this is interesting and I don't blame Bethesda for this. And if anything, this should let you realize that sometimes pre-orders aren't the best thing to do, you know? So mm. we'll see. I, I am I'm pretty against pre-orders. Uh, topic. So. We'll we'll save that topic for another day then, uh, because yep, you're. I mean, sometimes pre-orders are not the best thing. A lot, of, most of the time, they're not. You shouldn't, right? Exactly. But yeah. sometimes the benefits really outweigh the risks associated with pre-ordering. But again, sure. Topic for another. Topic day. for another day. So speaking of Bethesda games, Bethesda games. Uh, are one of the awesome games in which you can switch between third person and first person perspective. Ah, yes. So you nice want to talk segue. about this, right, Jordan? I did indeed, and I'm very glad you brought that up. Battlefront, Star Wars Battlefront is another one of those games. And I guess the uh, updated version on PS4 and Xbox One and PC of Grand Theft Auto is also the same way. Yep. Um, so yeah, this, this discussion is about first versus third-person perspective in games. And personally, I'm a way bigger fan of third-person. 
I feel like it gives me a lot better spatial awareness and um, I enjoy seeing my character on screen and what they look like and how they're dressed and the weapons they're using and um, I'll be honest like when a game is strictly first person I'm starting to get to the point where there's so many great third person games I'm just like uh, do I want to play this game like if it's really good Dishonored or Bioshock stuff like that I'm definitely going to play it but for the most part, I just stick to third person because I, I just enjoy that perspective of gaming so much more. And of course, you know, there's other ones like isometric and, you know, top down and all different kinds of points of view. But I would say first and third are the biggest two that get used. So how do you guys feel about the perspectives? Um, yeah, for me, it's, I think it's interesting that I mean, you wouldn't say it's a, a purchase decision, but you are you, you do think about it subconsciously or even a little bit consciously of like this game's first person. Is it good enough for me to want to go through that? I guess is what it sounds yeah. like. For me, I I play both ways. I enjoy both ways. I think for so for any Bethesda game, I go first person almost throughout the entire game, um, just because for me playing a first person game seems a little bit more. Uh, personal and invested. Yeah. Like, I feel like I'm actually in that world. I do agree with you that third person does give you a lot more spatial awareness. Um, I could not ever imagine playing a Dark Souls game in first person. Oh, that yes. would be insane. Jeez. Um, there was a mod uh, on PC that did that. Oh, man, I'm going to have to look up that video again to show you guys. It was um, nuts. And, like, I love third person games. Um, I love, obviously, 2D platforms are third person in some kind of aspect because you're looking at your character, right? And I, I I think there's a place for both for me personally, and I enjoy both. I do yeah. find that more often than not, if a game is third person, I could I make arguments to myself of I feel this would be better in first person than the other way around. And mm. you're gonna hate me for this, Jordan, but like Sunset Overdrive, that game's a good game. I'm not saying it's a bad game, but being so far out of it, and I understand why because you need to be able to understand where you're jumping and stuff like that. I just lose any motivation or connection to that character. And I just, which is oh. weird because I don't feel that way with The Witcher, but with like Sunset Overdrive, it just, I, I don't feel connected to that character. And I'm trying to imagine that game in first person right now. It would be crazy. I'm not saying it would be viable or right, but in my head, I'm like, man, I wonder would I like this game more if it was in first person, right? But wow. that, it's, that didn't stop me from playing that game. Um, I, it, when it comes to like sword fighting or like, like very physical combat that's not Dark Souls, I'm 100% down with first person. I, uh, I I take that over anything. But then there's Dark Souls, and I can't say I wouldn't play Dark Souls because it's in third person. That's absolutely ludicrous, you know? So I appreciate both. I understand both. I think for me, if it's an encapsulated story where you're kind of trying to build the environment and kind of have this feel, I think first person plays uh, for me way better. But if it's more of, like, not so much of the character, like, if it's a character creation or, like, the character isn't the story the world is, then I can see third person being more viable to me and what interests me in that world. So, I, think, I don't know. I think the reason a lot of people can't get into Dishonored is because of the fact that it's in first person and not third. Yeah. Especially because it's a stealth game. Like, a stealth yeah. game, I think for a stealth game to work, you need to be able to see your character as a whole because Same you thing. need to see how you can hide and stuff like that, so... Same thing with Davis X. Yeah. Well, can't you Day switch? Or is that one? Sex. Is that one? I thought it was in third. When person. you when you go into cover, it goes out to third, and then as soon as you get out of cover, it goes back to first. That's, That's weird. weird. That's really weird. weird. I thought it was. I think you switch between both. That's weird. 
Um, it's very weird. But see, like, a first-person Assassin's Creed game actually has me intrigued. Like, I love third-person in that Ooh. game, and obviously you want to be able to climb and stuff like that. But, like, being able to run through the crowds in first-person and, like, hearing yourself breathe and, like, knocking people away or, like, hiding and seeing the person you need to target walk right by you, that's really yeah. interesting to me. Um, and it kind of makes it more intimate because a lot of Assassin's Creed is about intimate kills and experiences, you know. So I I I wouldn't say I'm on either side of the fence. Uh, I like both equally. Um, so okay. I don't really have a, a dog in the fight. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I like both equally. No too. dog fights, depends. Jared. We're not we're not <laughs> doing any dog fights around here. Pokemon um, pretty close. <laughs> yeah, that's another good topic for another day because I've had that thought before too. Anyway, sorry. About Pokemon uh, being about dog fights. <laughs> it's if you look at it at its core, you're catching creatures and making yeah. them fight each other. For Technically, money. you don't make them fight because in in the lore of Pokemon, uh, they don't have to fight if they don't want to. <laughs> but we you're gotta, keeping them we captive. Talk about that, yeah. But any, <laughs> anyway, 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 for another day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, so I'm with you. It's one's not necessarily better than the other because of it being first or third person it just depends on the game the genre like everything plays into it so if you've done like any literary study like when you're reading a book the perspective is extremely important and something you might not think about when you're reading it but your english teacher will bring up like why do you think they chose to write this book from a first person perspective as opposed to like an all-knowing narrator um type of thing because then it you know it just and there's a hundred different answers it just depends on the book Right and the reason, so it depends on the game and how they want it to feel and play, and it, a lot goes into it, right? So it has to be, it just has to be the right choice. Maybe some yeah. games they chose to do third person, they should have done first or vice versa. As long as it's the right choice and it works well in that game, then I'm down with it. Um, and who but, knows better than them? Sometimes the game is a it, maybe it doesn't work in the other perspective, and that's why they didn't choose it. You know, I'm I'm dying. Yeah. To have dishonored third person guys, I got to be honest with you. I love the the game, but boy, would I love it if it was in third. So to your uh, to your Bethesda point, Jared. Yeah, I play primarily uh, like Skyrim and Fallout in first person. But whenever I'm running through the field, or you know, just not in combat or not in a inside doing something, click that baby out to third person just so I can <laughs> see what my guy looks like. I don't understand that people pick up items or like pickpocket and stuff in third person because it's not that clear. Like it's very yeah. – I'm like how do you play this game the whole way through through third person, you know? Yeah. Like there's very Definitely. intimate moments where you need to be in first person. So I don't know. Yeah. That's crazy to me. First so person cool Pokemon. First person Pokemon is interesting to me. Hmm. I don't know if it would be good, but it is interesting. And I have a question for you going going to this argument of – so a lot of people feel that almost every AAA game or any game should be be able to be mapped to the gamer's choice, right? Control yeah. or map however you want. And that's a discussion of like is the gamer entitled to that or not? Are you Should you just play it the way the developer envisioned? Do you think that they, if – They have that on PC by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, – Throwing if, that out there. Yeah. Do you think that almost every open world gamer th- or – expansive game or triple a game should give players a choice should all of them come with third person first person you make the choice or do gamers have to kind of deal with what the developers and designers want you to play it's that what they be, want yeah, it would be so difficult for the developers yeah but i yeah. would love it if every game was was switchable yeah if you're if it's one of the two then i think it would be awesome to have the choice between both 
see, it should be they should just make it one way and not shoehorn in a second. If they made both from the ground up, then that's one thing. But to me, like that needs to be a different game. So if you look at Skyrim and Fallout, they're really made for first person primarily yeah. i believe that and yeah. then they kind of throw in the third person thing it's fine but that's not really the emphasis i guess um also, whereas like battlefront does it much better switching to third person is actually viable yeah exactly i, in that I game. usually play third also with bethesda yeah. the hand anime if you notice the hand animations in bethesda games are so well done when you pop out to third person you jump and stuff it just looks ridiculous exactly exactly <laughs> So if they would just focus on one or the other, then it'd be a little less clunky overall, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. One game, that we didn't even bring this up, one game that I don't know how people play in first person for the life of me are racing games. I have to be third person oh. above the car driving yeah. that way. I don't know how people play first person driving games. It drives me insane. I watch people playing and I'm like, how are you doing this? It's like a tiny little window. You barely yeah. see the road. I'm like, how? I don't understand how you do this. It's like nearly, it, basically, it's impossible to do that in GTA uh, Five, going first person in a car. No, nope. it's just not going to happen. Hmm. Yeah, um, I have a question for you before we close out this topic, and maybe you can just. Jordan already has his answer, so we don't need to really ask Jordan, and you'll see why. My question is, what game has a set perspective that you would that you want it switched? So for him, is obviously Dishonored, right? We already know yeah, that. Yeah, Dishonored. Um, is there a game? For you, that you would you want switched, or at least have the option of Dom. I don't know. I mean, I've never had that thought, and I'm sure there there is an example that I could. If I go back to every game I ever played, I'm sure I could think of something. But for the most part, like I trust the developer and the and the you know the perspective they chose to make their game with. Then, you know, I'm gonna trust that they made the right choice. I can't think of any examples. Yeah, Dishonored. I, I, can... I think it's fine first person. Um, I don't. Off the top of my head, I don't think there's any game that I feel needs to be switched. But like I said, yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see if I would enjoy Sunset Overdrive more if it was switched. I'm not saying it would make it a better game uh, or anything. But I can I barely imagine that. Like, jumping on all those rails and just sliding around, it'd be like... I'd just it'd be really insane. Be so jarring. Yeah. Imagine it, that first person in VR. That'd be crazy, too. It's just like vomit-inducing machine, I bet. The Witcher's a good answer, too, <laughs> though. Witcher's a pr- a the Witcher would answer. be cool. That's a good answer, yeah. Well, see, they did a Skyrim is, thing. But the thing is, is that game's Don't all about... Don't you dare mess with my favorite fucking game. That game's all <laughs> Get about... Get your hands off! That game's all about uh, Geralt, though, so it's it's about him, so you kind of want to see him to know you're playing as him, whereas if you're in first person, you'd have that disconnect, you know? And wouldn't feel like you're you're hearing his story. So I think there is a reason for that, too. So you don't get to Get-out. see the armor in first person. Also, that person. combat. I think that I know, combat, you I need to be able that. to see the whole field. Like, I think Witcher plays to you being able to see what's going on around you and kind of play with the tools you have around you. As opposed to, like, being in first person, I don't think you can use the, the tools at your disposal as the Witcher to your I really like seeing my character's clothing. Also, yeah. uh, forgot to mention Metal Gear Solid Five, And uh, really, most of the Metal Gear Solid games you can switch. Okay, um, but hmm. a lot of times it's just when you're aiming. Yeah, so I think the the to to end this discussion, make Dishonored playable in third person for Jordan. Oh please, do it! I want to see that Corvo has such a cool mask. I want to see his mask. I never get to see it. Ooh, do the nice spin around with like the sunlight coming in. Ooh, so pretty. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So we're gonna be closing out the show now. Uh, what are we going to be playing next week? Saturday morning RPG is on the top of my list. I'm super excited. Like I told you guys, I'm about an hour and a half in. 
that game is just really fun. I wasn't expecting to like it as much as I did. I'm actually surprised at how much I like it. Um, <laughs> and I might get a lot of flack for this. I don't even really like Back to the Future that much. Um, I don't I think don't it's like a bad it movie, but I think it's <gasps> alright. Like, um, but the way they... Oh, I forgot to tell you guys. The way you can... So you walk through the game, but the way you can speed up your movement isn't a run button. You press X and you hop on the hoverboard from Back to the Future, the pink hoverboard. Well, Which I think is really cool. No, because you're not a fan, Jared. I've seen the movie. I like it, but people are like, "Back to the Future is my favorite movie you're ever." Not I'm like, a real fan. Are you saying that, or is it because you're a hipster and you hear other people say they like Back <laughs> to the Future, so you say that too? You know. Um, but yeah, I want to play Saturday morning RPG. New episode of Westworld coming out. I need to catch yep. up on Atlanta. It's priority number one. Oh um, man. As I'm hearing about Black so Mirror great. more and more, it's weird. I didn't hear about Black Mirror for since it's been on, and then all of a sudden with Ian and you, Jordan, and other people, suddenly hearing about Black Mirror left and right, so I think I'm going to watch yeah. it. Um, I also, I think I want to get into Mr. Robot, because I've heard so much good about Please. that show. That yeah. I, I feel so weird that I'm not into Walking Dead anymore, and I'm like, well, I need to justify this by watching other shows that I think are good. You know, I don't think Are Walking you going to watch Luke Cage? Yeah, I need to watch that too. That, that's right. I forgot about that too. A lot of stuff to catch up on. I'm terrible at watching stuff, so hopefully I get around to that. But as far as games, Saturday morning RPG, some more Battlefield 1. Uh, last couple of days of the Overwatch Halloween event, and I want to get that Mercy Witch skin. So I'm trying my heart out to try that. And also, um, I'm 7,000 uh, achievement score away from 100k, so I'm trying to get there too. I'm pretty close. I'm on the, the precipice of that, so... Um, we'll see. Overwatch would be a really cool third-person game. Uh, yeah, hmm. I can see that. Because hmm. those characters are too beautiful, man. I'm missing them. The, I like the, seeing they, my characters' clothing. Those characters are gorgeous. Um, also, a really quick, going back, we're not on that discussion anymore. Diablo would be interesting in first person. I think. Hmm. Oh, that'd be intense. Yeah. Yeah, that's a uh, that's an interesting game that I kind of am not really excited to play because it's so far out and I don't like that perspective of way up top. So that's just an idea. Uh, what are you guys going to be playing and watching this coming week? I know episode two, obviously The Walking Dead, but what else? For sure. Shoot. I don't even know. Persona. I'm going to play more Persona 4. Are you enjoying Otherwise, it? I don't oh. know. <laughs> I, don't, I, need, I need to give it more time. Uh I don't want to say anything now. I'm, it, I have a sour taste in my mouth at this particular moment because of something that happened. But <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm gonna wait. I need. Wait, to, with the. That, I have a question. With, inside the game, or like, it's so like an aspect <laughs> of the game, or like the story. Like, is something sour about the game or about the? Narrative? No, like I. I literally just drank some old milk, and I have a sour taste. In my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's, I was about to say, is it in real life? Um. No, it's literally just. It's a. It's not an easy game necessarily, and it. It's a PS2 game, so I, I mentioned the save issue before. I basically lost a lot of progress because I barely died on the last fight in this big old castle, and I was just like ugh, demotivated. And I. Just You're shut a Dark it off Souls and, kid. You can't get demotivated. You gotta. Yeah, power get good, through. bro. Yeah. See, the thing is, in Dark Souls, it's no matter how much you die, like the world is. It's big, but it's, like, not really big. You can run through things very quickly. Yeah. Um, so you can get back to where you were. And it's punishing, but this was just, like, a lot of progress that, that, that I lost that is just going to have to be regrinded. And I was just like, ah. Now, in Persona, when you're inside the dungeons, 
the enemies respawn on the floor. So you're not supposed to just like stay on each floor and continue to try to clear it out because they'll just respawn. So you kind of get your feel for it and eventually you'll know how many you want to hit before you move on to the next floor. I was hitting every single one. Yeah. So it's up to yeah. you if you want to grind or not. This is what it seems like. You, yeah, you don't yeah, have to grind much, if you yeah. don't need to. Um, yeah. So, Dom, when are you getting your PS... When is PS4 Pro release? November 10th. Okay, so we have another episode 11? before it comes out. Coming are you up. getting a day of? Yeah, as long as Amazon doesn't let me down. <laughs> mm. uh, what? So is that it? Just Persona 4? Anything else on the docket? You said you already finished Gears 4. Uh, I, I actually did jump back into Oracle of Ages because I hadn't finished my last playthrough yet. So yeah. I, might, I might get into that too. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's an awesome game. Um, Jordan, what are you going to be playing and watching? Um, so and reading. Pl- playing, reading, watching, definitely more Walking Dead, both reading and watching. Um, hopefully I'm going to finish up Order of the Phoenix because I'd like to... Uh, finish rereading the Harry Potter books before Fantastic Beasts comes out. Um, definitely playing some more Red Dead. Uh, Have you and... read Fantastic Beasts? Yeah, so that's actually a textbook. Oh, that's cool. Um, I might actually want to buy it then. That sounds awesome. That's more intriguing to me, actually. It's like a textbook that Harry would have read in his uh, first year. Yeah, because it was in the movie and then she wrote it, but I thought... So it's a textbook, and then the movie is actually writing about that guy, but the book is written from his perspective, right? And it's just like... No. No, it's just a textbook, and then um, they... But I thought he's the author of it, though, in the movie. The character in Fantastic Beasts, I thought he's the one that writes that book in the fictitious world. Yeah, but it's not like... There's no, like, story to it or anything. It's not a journal. It's like a textbook. Yeah, Yeah, and they're basically just taking that, like, kind of idea, I guess... And uh, they wrote their own story, J.K. Rowling gotcha. and, and and friends, I guess. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to finish the that book series up, and also continuing to read Dark Tower, um, which has a movie coming out uh, next year. Um, Idris Elba, Matthew McConaughey, just with that yeah, slate of yeah, yeah. actors, you know it's gonna be good. Yeah. Indeed, the gunslinger can't wait. Um, and then playing other things, um, might get back to some Battlefront because, um, you know, Rogue One's coming up and I got that Star Wars fever creeping up on me again. And I might be getting the DLC because I'm really wanting to play the Death Star specifically. Um, but Cloud City and uh, Outer Rim DLC as well. So maybe some Battlefront. Oh, and thank you for bringing it up, Jared. I really wanted to talk about Black Mirror earlier. I watched that whole season, like, within 24 hours of it coming out. It's only six episodes, but really good stuff. Um, They definitely made the third season just as good as the first two. Um, If you guys haven't seen Black Mirror, really can't recommend it any higher than than I already am, just because it's one of the best shows on television, so... Um, really, really good stuff and, uh, really kind of fucked up, scary technology stuff. You want to talk about horror? That's like weird, creepy horror stuff. It's not even like jump scares. So Black Mirror. 
Uh, well, thank you guys for listening to episode or watching episode 34 of the Controlled Interest Gamecast. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube, search Controlled Interest, and we'll pop right up. Uh, follow us on Twitter at CFTRLINT to stay updated with all of our latest uploads and content. Uh, you can also follow us at our personal Twitters. I'm at Jared underscore. Dom is at Dom's Oreos. Jordan is at Mellow Modus. Um, we're at 48 subs, so we're really close to 50. So if you can share us with your friends, 50. we can hopefully get to 50 and then eventually 100 so we can get a custom URL and stuff. Also, I was on... Uh, Blessing Junior's podcast. If you go to my Twitter, you'll see that I retweeted the podcast. He does uh, he does a podcast called The People, where he interviews people about uh, basically what they do and why they do it, and what their aspirations and goals are and stuff like that. So if you want to hear more about me or him, go listen to that. It's pretty cool. It's like a half an hour episode, not too long. Um, feel free to rate us on iTunes. That really helps us with the algorithm on iTunes of getting to the getting to the top, or at least where people can see us and try to tune in. Uh, feel free yeah. to share the video and podcast as well. So like I said, uh, it'll help us grow. And uh, it doesn't matter if it's one person you share it with. Maybe that one person will share it too and going and going and going. And hopefully we can grow bigger and bigger because the bigger we become, the better our content becomes and the better product we can make for you guys. So, uh, yeah, any closing words, guys, before I say bye? No one heard that? <laughs> Don't give a piece. Uh, Jordan, any closing words? Take it sleazy. Take it sleazy. See you guys next time for episode 35. Have a happy Halloween.